We, uh, we don't have Megan uh, today. And okay. I was thinking, I think we should try and call her. She's probably, oh, really? do you know where she is? Do you know what? I saw on? the email. I don't know what it is. She is at Blog World Expo. Oh, Blog World. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, have you ever, have you ever been down there? Have you ever oh, done no. Blog World? It's a, it's a good show. I'm actually quite bummed that we're not there because she is actually presenting. I don't know how she got. She Are you got, kidding? Yeah. I'm no, I have no reason to lie to you about this. Oh my gosh. And, and she, uh, yeah, she's presenting. It's a, it's a cause marketing blogging thing. And, you know, I told, we mentioned last week that she was writing a book on Facebook and that was not a joke. She's, she has written a, uh, like an ebook. Oh, I thought on, that was a joke. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, I know. I knew you did because you were not, you kind of blacked out last week for a little while. Wow. You didn't, you didn't, you kind of tuned out and I, I had a feeling you might've missed some things. I heard you say that. I just thought it was a joke. I thought it was a reference to her saying lots of things on Facebook or something. She, she sure does. She sure <laughs> does. But no, she wrote this book. I think it's on using Facebook for cause marketing success because, you know, she's into the cause marketing uh, with the right. cause marketing forum. And, and so she wrote this book and I think she's part of, of a presentation team. Uh, and they're, they're doing a presentation on cause marketing and social media, something like that. And so I wanted to get her on to talk about it. I mean, she's, she may be literally standing in line. Uh, to uh, register at Blogger today is is the is the kickoff day. I think so many people are down there. It's making it, it makes me a little bit crazy. I wish I wish we were there. We should we should go next year. It's a it's a great show. The last time you know, last time I was there it was a long time ago, uh, and uh, Ronald Moore was one of the key keynote speakers. Mm-hmm. You know who the Ronald Moore no. is? No, he I don't. is the the guy who did uh, the Battlestar Galactica reboot. Oh, interesting. Uh, and so he was talking about using social media to get fan feedback as the show was running. And uh, it was like season two of the show. And he was talking about kind of his experience using social media, Twitter, and, and you know, interacting with the fan base through social media and how powerful that was. Uh, and to actually guide the direction of the show. I mean, he, he knew one of the things he said was when he started the show, when he pitched it, he knew how it was going to end. He knew it was like a four-season operatic story arc, and he knew how it was going to end, but there were a lot of holes. And and so while he had the first chapter and the last one, he, he you know, used that four-year kind of feedback loop with social media to, to uh, inspire the direction of the show. I thought that was really cool. You know, it would be cool, Pete. I don't know how realistic this is, but it would be really cool to just um, set a calendar up uh, or go like go through a calendar of things like um, this event Megan's at and other, you know, like come up with a, a list of top couple, I guess, of uh, like seminars or, um, you know, really worthwhile events like that. Yeah. And try to make a goal to get to a couple of them. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think our, our problem is not desire. It's it's awareness and execution. <laughs> and permission sometimes <laughs> and budget but um yeah when you're fancy no. when you're fancy like megan you don't have to worry about no this kidding. because you've got the fancy and you've got the your your work for a mega corporation and well life was cool when corporations paid the bill for things like that oh do you remember the w hotel <laughs> yeah i do man <laughs> yeah i loved that place uh and then, like, they, there were a couple of times that I stayed down there that Castle didn't pay, I think. And I stayed at the, um, oh, is it a Sheridan? There's, it's like the three towers that have the emerald 
neon green, you know, yeah, top the to them. Of, the city of Oz. Up. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not that far from no. the W. So no. I'd walk over because they just have that super cool, like, sandy beach bar, you know, uh. up on the, I guess, the second level. And it's just, you know, the fires are going and you're in that, you know, oh, oh, San Diego it's the, air. It's the rooftop cabanas. Yeah. Oh, those right. are great. You take your drinking, shoes off. You're drinking your mojitos, having business meetings in your suit and your bare feet. Love I love San Diego. San Diego. I oh, do too. Man. All right. Well, I want to I want to try and call her and see if she'll give us like a five minute update from Blog okay. World, and then then we're going to talk about other stuff. So, uh, hang on. So, Megan, I'm adding her to this call. Sweet. This this may be a, a fool's errand. <laughs> uh, I don't even. It's it's dialing. Who knows? It's ringing. I'm not cutting any of this. Give her three rings. Maybe four. I can see her standing in line. She's fumbling with her phone. Hi, this is Megan Strand. Thanks <sighs> for calling. Please leave a message and I'll get right back with you. Thanks. At the tone, please record your message. Should we leave her a message? When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. Megan, this is, uh, this is the show calling. And uh, we miss you. And we know you're standing in line right now, fumbling with your phone, wondering who's calling you. It's us. And we wanted to hear, get your update from Blog World. So call us back and we'll add you to the show and we can talk about it. We're going to go talk about other stuff. Bye. Take care. <laughs> Brush your teeth and floss. That's right. That's right. Call your mother. Don't drink too much. You know, I've been... the bloggers. Can I tell you, uh, are you up to speed on... Well, I uh, okay, here's what I want to talk about with you today. Let's do it. And uh, I, I want to talk about... So we talk a lot about uh, Google and AdWords and, and mm -hmm. uh, AdWords campaigns, but I want to talk about uh, when you, as, a, uh, as an online marketing professional... Uh, when you make the call to take a campaign to uh, the other social networks like Facebook and LinkedIn, when is it when is it useful and when is it not? That's what I want to know. Well, and we do need to talk about that um, <laughs> outside of the show, actually. Yeah, I know. That's why that's what client. inspired me to talk to you about this because uh, um, I feel like it's a good it's germane. Yeah. Well, a couple of things because uh, um, you, you could certainly start. I mean, it, you don't have to sort of you don't have to say. Let's start with Google and then we'll decide, you know, if we want to go to the next level. Um, you could certainly start by saying, well, is there something about what we're trying to, um, the people we're trying to target or the message that we have um, that makes sense for other platforms? Uh, you know, the problem is, and, and this is why you, you, this is why I, I kind of rarely have, you, you know, sort of just start with all of them at once. It takes a whole lot of effort to get them going um, and to manage them separately. And that's a, that's a, that's, that is the common misconception, right? I mean, I, I, I okay. So I teach this, this uh, marketing class, uh, right? This is an MBA level marketing class and we're building this campaign and uh, you know, for it's a fake campaign for a major corporation and, and these students, they come to it as we're building the budget, uh, the, the sort of channel marketing program. And they say, well, we're, we're going to spend a, a lot of time in social media because it's so cheap and it's so easy to get going, but it's, it is right. neither cheap nor easy to get going. Right. 
Right. And and even if you've got, I mean, there are things that make it easier, which would include having an entire team of people, or um, there's some really great software, um, like what, Marin software and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, oh, some other platforms that I've never, you know, had the budget to use, but some platforms that help you manage multiple um, PPC campaigns at once. They're not cheap. None of them are cheap. They're, you know, you, you've got to be at pretty good volume to, to support, um, purchasing and using that software. So I've been without that. Uh, so for me, it's, it's generally, but even if you're using an agency with a full team, they still really only have limited, you know, time and resources for your campaign. Um, and, and I've used some before that are, you know, um, with different clients that some, they bring some expertise to the table and they, they've got multiple people on it. Um, but it takes a lot, uh, to get all those managed and, and, you know, working at peak efficiency. So one of the reasons that it generally makes sense to start with one, like Google AdWords is that you work a lot of things out, um, in understanding how far you can, um, how far can you take Google AdWords, for instance? What's your budget? How how what kind of return are you getting? Um, you know what what ads are working, and you know you, you you learn a lot that I think is good to do before you start throwing a lot of money a lot of different places because they're all very different animals, anyways. And what you what you learn in a Google campaign may or may not translate to something like Facebook. It may or may not. But at least it establishes something. So to your initial question of when do you make the decision, one trigger point would be, gosh, we really are, we've pushed Google AdWords, you know, um, as, I don't know, as far as we think we can, or we've sort of hit a wall. We've got a point here that we're, uh, without raising our cost per click well above what we want to, you know, we're not we just don't seem to be getting a lot more traffic. We seem to be sort of milking this, which may or may not be true because there's, you know, the Google AdWords world is pretty big if you can really um, exploit all of it, like, you know, the display ad network and, and great graphic great graphic ads and, um, you know, your keyword terms and multiple uh, campaign splits, you know, and it, there are things you can, that you can do, but, again, at a certain point, like how much time do you have to do all that? How much, how many resources do you have? How worth it is that going to be? So it makes sense um, at a certain point. And there's no, there's no scientific, you know, trigger or or answer, I guess, to this, but. Well, I think, you know, there's something to get to your time and, and budget uh, point. It's not just about distribution of the ad message, right? I mean, there is something to what, the audience demands out of their advertising on Facebook mm-hmm. versus Google. Yeah, it's a different. Yeah, it's a different world, and you shouldn't. You know, you shouldn't jump into Facebook without having some idea of at least a basic demographic. Like, I don't know. Do you, do you need it to be all females, age you know twenty to thirty or twenty to twenty five, um, who have an interest in you know this or that? If it's if it's too broad. Um, then you need to question whether or not it makes sense. But if you feel like you can, you, you know, you can narrow down a college graduate or even advanced degree or something like that, um, 
an older working professional, for instance, who, and, and then maybe let's decide that a couple of books, if they have an interest in this book or have read this book, they become a pretty good target. Don't we issue there? And, and so it's really exciting when you start talking about how much you really can narrow that Facebook audience. Well, right. I mean, you can't kind of under, you have to underscore that, 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 that you just sort of buried the lead on why you would actually use Facebook in the first place, that you have access to people at a level of their sort of, uh, at the psychograph, uh, that you cannot get with Google at this point. Right. Yeah. And that's where they're different, right? Yeah. yeah. With Google, you can, you can create a geography, um, if you need to. And, uh, and from there it's more or less, I mean, there are some things you can do to, you know, not, well, there's negative keywords and there's networks you don't want to, or display networks you don't want to be on or sites. There are, you can weight a balance to, um, gender. Uh, I, I really have my doubts about how well that really plays out, but, uh, there are things you can do, I guess, to modify the demographic target with but, AdWords. But, but, I, but there's I, a difference, though, right? Because with AdWords... And, well, you're you know, not getting into interest. No, you're not getting into... And, and the ads are an active response to an action by users, right? So on, when, I'm, when I'm on Google, I'm getting right. ads that are served by the search I'm using right now. Yeah, so, so there's not the same reason to it, start to... Exactly. Yeah. Google, with Facebook, things. they're they're serving me ads based on you know actions I took in my initial setup, and as my right. you know my actions have evolved over time, so they're building a bigger, a, a better, uh, a, sort of a, a more sort of uh, I don't know. They're building a better case, but I guess what I'm getting to is there is a demand. Like, a, well, first of all, have you ever outside of the case of uh, you know you being in this field, have you ever actually uh, clicked on an ad in Facebook? Yes, I have. You do, you have? Yeah. Uh-huh. I have. Like not yeah. just because you're sort of scientifically interested no, in what's going no, on. No. No. That um, that is fascinating to me. I've never done that. I've never clicked on an <laughs> oh, ad. Oh, I have. I'm a um, terrible target. I you know, I'm somewhat there's a little bit like at a certain point um this isn't necessarily true of my profile today on Facebook, but at a certain point I actually put interests on there with the thought that I wanted to get ads related to this area. I think that's a good way to think about it, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was seeing things I didn't care for, and I thought, well, I haven't really put, you know, interest that I could have put on here. And if I actually put things I'm interested in, then I'm going to be targeted for ads in that way. And so I get uh, concert ads. Oh, that's uh, good. Because you put, bands you put music and... Uh-huh. Yep. I, um, I get uh, skiing, a lot of skiing stuff. I get um, longboarding. And those three things, uh, if there's something that, that's of interest there, yes, I've absolutely clicked. I'll, I'll see ski deals. I'll see, um, uh, you know, things from ski resorts around the West. Um, I see sometimes like longboard um, equipment uh, that's interesting to me or, again, you know, an upcoming concert or something like that. And I have no problem clicking on those. Yeah. That's fascinating. Okay. Well, here's this was actually my point. I derailed myself. Uh, my point is... Inside of the Facebook ecosystem, there is a higher demand for brands to create content that is exclusive to the Facebook ecosystem. Would you say that's fair? Uh, you're going to have to say it again. You lost me right at the very beginning it's, of that. Is because I used the word ecosystem? No. It was, no. 
<laughs> Say it again. All right. When you're inside the Facebook ecosystem it as was an advertiser. It right. right. Okay. It throw me off. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll snap my fingers and we'll come back. We'll do it again. When you when you're in as a <laughs> You can skip past ecosystem. I feel like I feel like uh, I feel like Colbert just broke character. <laughs> okay, go uh, ahead, smart guy. When you are when you're when you're looking at Facebook, when you're looking at the Facebook, and yeah, bring you, it down to my level, dumb it down, and you click on a button. <laughs> what you're what you're expecting is you know we and what we've been conditioned to expect. I use conditioned, and that probably is on the list too. Oh, stop it. Uh, when you're conditioned to expect is that you're going to go to a Facebook page that has some investment in it, that that um, that has some creative to it, that might have some content that's exclusive to you, that you might oh. get a thing that says like me and to get access to a to a coupon or something, right? Yeah. I mean, and, I really, and, those, and there are different approaches you can take. Um, and, and there are, let's see, I think trying to think if you can see this when you're a user or not, but there are two kinds of ads you can do uh, with Facebook. One is to, to uh, get you to your Facebook, you know, business page. And the other is to take you outside of Facebook to a website. There are two different kinds of ads. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't do a lot of um, liking because I'm going to get something out of it. Uh, I know it's, yeah, it works in some cases, I guess, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, haven't done. What do you, when do you like? If I really like it, I mean, yeah. you know, I don't want, uh, to like some plumbing outfit or whatever, just because I might get a, a free t-shirt for instance, but I, I can't think of a case in, in, where I've liked it because I thought I going to get something t-shirt. out of something. Like yeah. I'll like it if I like it. That, that That's, I just, I've, I've never responded to, Hey, you might get something if you like, actually I might have once. I think there was one that I did. And I think it was a t-shirt thing for, for a skateboard. <laughs> or it was like a skate company. But anyway, that was a while ago. Uh, anyway, I, I'm not sure how well those continue to work. These sort of, you know, where it looks a little bit gimmicky. I, I'm really just thinking, and you're right, there's something we're conditioned to. I mean, you're right. Um, you, you're kind of thinking that it's going to be somehow contained within the Facebook ecosystem and that, you know, some something about this, um, clicking on this ad is going to either... Uh, you're going to be liking something, so it's going to change your profile a bit, or you're going to be joining some sort of community of some kind. That's well, that's it. Okay, so there, I think there are three reasons you probably like, and I wonder if that we should probably see if there's some data on this, right? You like because you have you have some sort of genuine relationship with the brand, right? So I like things related to bands, artists, musicians, writers, uh, brands that I use and want to keep books, up to date books. Yeah. Books even, I, you know, want to stay up to date with the creator of that content, whether mm-hmm. it's a company or a person or artist, whatever. So a genuine affinity, which is, which is the most authentic, uh, you know, and it's what I look for. Like, you know, I look for people to, to, you know, like m- my stuff as a photographer because it's genuine and they want to stay up to date. Right. That's the best kind of lead I want. Uh, you, uh, you join, you like somebody or you like a brand because they're going to, um, uh, for, for only for informational purposes, right? So you might join, you know, NP, you might like NPR because you want to be on the feed and you live mm-hmm. in, in Facebook right. and that's how you want, you want their stuff to show up on your page so you can stay up to date. And finally, you like for quid pro quo, 
because there's some offer that they're going to give you access to some ebook or something if you if you like the page. Right. And so you're going to give up a little bit of your social currency in exchange for this bit of of uh, digital swag. Which I I think there there was one. There was a, a a DJ that I had to like on Facebook to get access to his MP3 downloads. So I did that. Figured that was an okay thing to do. But I become more and more hesitant to really, you know, try to um, respond to those in, in ways that, because there are a few that you used to start getting a lot of messaging. Um, that doesn't happen anymore. I like, that's one, I, I don't know if you've, change this or anything but you know when you stopped getting emails in your inbox every time something somebody did something on facebook that was part of a page you liked or they're commenting on a picture or whatever i don't get those in my inbox anymore i've been pretty okay with that um but that was getting a little out of hand with some of the groups that i had liked (laughs) like um there was this there's a salt lake long borders um that all of a sudden it was like three a day hey i'm gonna be longboarding on this hill at you know, two in the afternoon. Hey, here's a picture of my wreck last night. And I just didn't need to see that. So anyway, some people I'm sure, like you say, I mean, that's if you live on Facebook and that's part of your world and community and you want those messages, some of these are really, um, I don't know, important perhaps to people. I was going to say though, in terms of, you know, targeting and, and the fact that you can, you know, use that sort of information, um, to think through, sort of a funnel, a target funnel to, to really go after people you think are going to be a great prospect or a great, you know, potential customer or whatever, is that the more narrow you get, this is something to keep in mind, the more narrow you get, I mean, it's exciting that, you know, you feel like you're, you're really on it and these guys are going to respond, but you're going to burn out that, those eyeballs really fast. If you don't have new creative coming at them, I mean, it's, it's only going to be fresh for so long. They'll see those ads and there are people who think that uh, their ads should be changed several times a day or every other day or, you know, um, and it sort of depends on, uh, I guess, how much you're paying. So how much traffic they're, they're giving you, but you're, you know, you're paying per click. You can choose to pay per impression if you, if you want to. Um, And, and if you're, and I, I think this is the other thing. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's kind of hard to sell Google AdWords as a branding um, element, I guess, even though it kind of can be. It, it it has that, but it's hard to argue and say, well, boy, this is this is half the reason we're doing Google AdWords is, you know, branding. Um, but it's not as hard with Facebook just because, you know, the ads are, are um larger and they're a little more, you know, obviously more targeted to, to an audience. And there's, there's a very good likelihood that you're going to get a lot of rotation without getting clicks. So it's not a bad idea, I think, for certain advertisers to say they're not really looking for measurable performance uh, as much as you normally would with a paid search campaign. They might just be looking for the branding exposure. Yeah. All right. Hang on. Uh, to, uh, remember what you're talking about. I'm all because, done. Oh, well then, well, then this is perfect. Uh, <laughs> I just got a text from Meg. Apparently, she's finished with her thing, and so we can call her now. Oh, man, this is going to be great. I know. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Should we build this up in any way? 
I, I well, I, I feel like we should, you know, go into creative <laughs> and uh, <laughs> maybe come up with a theme park edition. That'd be sweet. Hello, Naked Marketers Hotline. That's the kind of spirit I want for this show. Perfect. So are you all registered? I'm all registered. I'm here sitting outside of Chris Brogan's Google Plus seminar waiting to begin in about 15 minutes. Oh, very nice. Very exciting. It's all very exciting. You, uh, you, so the, you're, tell us, uh, tell us where, where you are and what you're doing. Give us the lowdown. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I need an introduction. So I am in L.A. at the Blog World uh, Expo. And I'm going to be presenting today. What are you presenting in, on? We we in, try, the, in we, the cause track. The cause track. Same. So it's going to be a lot of costuming. There's not a lot of costuming because it's not the C O Z track. It you're, is the you're not cause, going as as, as in, blood rain. <laughs> I'm going to leave that to Dane. <laughs> I don't even know if he's here. Dane, are you there? I'm I'm here. Oh good. I heard him. I heard uh, him. Oh good. Well, I thought he, he did that thing again where he blacks out when you start talking. <laughs> That's not what it is. I had technical <laughs> totally difficulties last week I, on so many levels. Yeah, you did. It was yeah, you. You missed your meds. No, I took my meds today, so I'm good to go. <laughs> Ma- All right, so Megan, what are you talk? Let's talk about what you're presenting because you wrote the you wrote the book on social media tools for cause marketing, and I'm co-presenting with two other people. And I just released a white paper today on cause marketing on Facebook, so I will be talking about Facebook in particular. Well, what a! Uh, you should read uh, my white paper. It's actually pretty. Good. I didn't even know you did this. We're going to put it in the in the show notes. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Well Very done. Good. So uh, yeah. you you present this afternoon, um, and uh, you're presenting with uh, this is with uh, who are you presenting with? Nolan. A guy named Nolan Hoshino, who is also from the Pacific Northwest, and then a guy named Joe Waters, who is from the East Coast, from Boston. These are these are uh, big names in the cause marketing these social are big media names in the cause marketing circles. Yes, you should you should be so lucky as to be able to meet these folks. You, well, you apparently are. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, so what have you guys been talking about? I feel like I'm missing out. You you are totally missing out. We've been talking about uh, uh, making the move from Google AdWords to uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. Although we haven't gotten to LinkedIn yet. Google AdWords to Facebook ads. Yeah, uh, yeah, to migrating uh, ad platforms. And when does it make sense? When, what kind of what are the expectations of of creative and and uh, you know what are the things you need to think about? And uh, so you know, as a cause marketer, uh, you know what is the what is the utility of Facebook over say Google AdWords in your opinion? As somebody who has officially written the book on cause. Oh. Marketing. <laughs> it's hardly the book. Um, well, I haven't dived too deep into the Facebook ads. However, I will say that any Facebook campaign that um, expects to get any sort of reach or engagement really does need to be supported by Facebook ads. Um, in the cause space, we uh, we see this pretty often, and it, and it does actually work. Um, I had a great conversation with a woman from Timberland who uh, they run this virtual trees campaign on Facebook. Um, and they really like the Facebook platform um, in particular because they can target a younger demographic than what they t- are currently working with. Um, and they do a lot of Facebook advertising. So um, they're kind of using that platform and that, that ad mechanism to get people more involved with their brand and involved with their cause program. So, um, so thumbs up on Facebook ads. You just liked this conversation. 
<laughs> I, I just liked the conversation. That's fantastic. I'm looking at this post that you uh, that you put up on on uh, the timber. This is the Timberland thing, right? Oh, yeah, at, at companies and causes. And right. Dot com, right. and uh, we'll put this link to the show notes. It's an interesting story. Um. I part of part of what I you know what I was coming to with you know with this conversation with Dane is is what are the expectations when you're in the as a consumer in the Facebook mm-hmm. ecosystem uh mm-hmm. you know what are my expectations of what a brand is presenting me on Facebook now when I look at I think Timberland is a great example because when you go to the Facebook page for for that this little screener that you have in here it's it's inside Facebook and they've put a lot of work into creating this the Timberland ecosystem inside of Facebook and that's a, that's an expense that's an expense to manage that's an expense to maintain that's an expense to mm-hmm. to create that is uh, uh that is separate but equal to their general web presence Mm-hmm. That might be supporting mm-hmm. their external advertising, and Absolutely. and so you know I think it's a it's a misconception to to think that you know we're going to use social media because it's cheap. No, that, I think that's a huge misconception because even if you're doing just a very basic Facebook application, just the resources required to staff and have a you know have a presence that is anything other than horrendous, you know you, you you're spending some resources and some man hours to do that. Did you uh, did you have any conversation with them about what they spent to to actually produce this campaign? Do you know? I don't know exactly what they spent to produce a campaign. I know it was a lot. I mean, this is a this is a pretty robust application they've got going on. In fact, I think it's I think it tends to be a little bit overdone. Um, it, one of the things that I heard over and over when I was writing this white paper was about keeping things simple on Facebook that people don't want to have to agree to 92 different permissions or get routed to seven different pages or to do 22 clicks to, to be able to engage. So, um, yeah, I think erring on the sign of simplicity is, uh, is always a good idea because, you know, I mean, you, you get annoyed when you have things you have to fill out or people are trying to take you off of Facebook when you're already in Facebook. I mean, you know, yeah. there's all sorts of things to consider. So, well, and that's, yeah. No, I'm just wondering while we have you on the phone if we're going to talk about Kim Kardashian's breakup at all. While you're down at really? the Really? This well, is really what you think I add to the conversation is Kim Kardashian because I know nothing about her. Clearly you know more than I do. I think well, that goes just, without saying. She just unfollowed uh, Chris Humphreys. She unfollowed on you. Twitter. No, not me. No. We're st- <laughs> we haven't established that connection yet. That's what we that's what we like to call expand expanded circles. <laughs> Extended circles in Google Plus League. I just uh thought I just thought you'd have an opinion. I'm sorry. I mean you're in LA. I I don't know what people do at these blog conferences. I don't I either. They, It'll be I figure they sit around and like talk about Kim Kardashian. <laughs> You know, maybe they do. Maybe they do. Maybe I'm missing out on that. Maybe, maybe you need to like school me, Dane, on on what's happening with her, so I can be up to speed at these parties. Oh uh, actually, oh to, to get up to speed, apparently Salman Rushdie uh, did a, a kind of a haiku, a Twitter haiku about um, Kim Kardashian's split. So that's that's probably worth Salman looking up. Rushdie. Salman Rushdie. Somebody challenged There's a guy to do I it. would not expect to be up to speed on Kim Kardashian. <laughs> he he knew th- he knew the facts. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's a funny little. Anyway, I'm just joking. You obviously derailed, derailed. Let me, let me just. I know. I I want to talk about. I only have a couple more minutes because I got to zip into the session. Well, that's why I brought up Kim Kardashian. I want to. Well, no, I just. (laughs) uh, 
<laughs> I, I just want to know uh, kind of what else you have. So you're talking this afternoon. What else is on the docket for uh, Blog World Expo uh, uh, parties tonight? And uh, when do you come back? Tomorrow? I come back on Saturday. You come back on Saturday. All right. So what else uh, What else are you looking forward to to, uh, to doing at Blog World Expo? Do you have your little dance no, card I'm just, ready? I'm, I'm, I'm really, I do not have a dance card. I'm excited to spend time with people that I don't get to see very often, like my co-presenters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking forward to just meeting some new folks and just seeing what this this, uh, this conference is all about. So I do not have any, I'm trying to have, keep my expectations very low and neutral. So I will certainly report back next week, however. Excellent. But should while you're there, just um, I don't what know. What should I do, Dane? I don't know exactly <laughs> what part of LA you're in, but there's a death museum that's right near a the death sunset. Museum. Yeah, it's right next door to the Small it? World. It's a Small World exhibit at Disneyland. <laughs> no, I think it's not far from Jim Henson's, like the Henson Productions. <laughs> it, it's in that general area. Okay. So, or you know, you yeah. don't have to do that. It's just a thought. Uh, I just thought I'd throw that out there. I'm not going to lie to you. This has been a real treat. I'm uh, I'm jealous, is what you, I am. Uh, Megan, you say hi to say hi to all the people that uh, are on our best friends list, and um, I will, I will, and I will certainly report back and um, meet up with you next week. Yeah, but it we're was on good chatting, week. boys. Thanks for and calling in. All right, okay, See bye, Meg. guys. See ya. The Death Museum, really? Well, it's it's an attraction. That's people a thing. Pay money, yes. It's an only in LA thing. True. Look Man, it up. Um, oh, okay. It actually looks really way too morbid for me. I, I don't think the Museum of Death in Hollywood, California. That'd be museumofdeath.net. <laughs> and it's it's open daily in Hollywood. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The world famous Museum of Death is founded in San Diego, June first, nineteen ninety five. It was located in San Diego's first mortuary in a building once owned by Wyatt Earp. <laughs> I don't really. They have what? a gallery, the Chaos Gallery. <laughs> Hope it looks Macabre pretty presents pretty. induced epidemics on display between December sixth and December twenty ninth. <laughs> it's a little bit out of date. I can't believe you knew about this uh going into it. That's fascinating. Yeah. No, Sc- I- oh, here's the Gigi Allen Skull a Day campaign. <laughs> No, they're they're serious about what they're doing down there. Wow. Oh, oh, I here's a word I never knew existed. Vestiches, V E S T I T C H E S, torture tapestries, depictions of actual scenes of torture in some sort of a tapestry or like a uh, what what do they call it like a a needlepoint. Needlepoint torture tapestries. That's what I'm looking at right now on chaosgallery.net. Museumofdeath.net. Uh, it's fascinating. The kind of thing they don't have in every city. Wow. Anyway, let's yeah. talk about. Let's talk very quickly about the uh, the Google Plus. Uh, and there's an update on Google Plus. Are you? Uh, how are you feeling about Google? Have you, you haven't been in there at all. You don't do it at all. <laughs> or well, I mean, I know you don't Go with the Twitter. I, and the, you don't I do, do when you stuff. say to do it, so that we could get on and have our chat <sighs> areas, which I think is really very cool. Well, you're talking about the Hangouts. The Hangouts. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. That's it's really great technology. It's you know, it's an investment though to, you know, talking about resources. I mean, I think you obviously you jumped all in. You 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 saw technology you liked. You saw a community that was growing. Um, you started you know to really kind of embrace it, to learn about it, to to engage, and you're consistent with your engagement. And now you've got 
a huge community of followers and you've found that for, you know, your photography, it's really the best place um, to grow your reputation and, and get feedback on your work. I, I mean, it sounds fantastic. I feel like, <laughs> you know, I feel like it looks, I, looks good on you. You know, I feel like I, I don't, I, I just hate doing something part of the way. And, and if, you know, you got like your Twitter account and your Facebook and your this and that, and, you know, and then just whatever, I mean, all, all these things you're kind of supposed to keep up on. Well, this is obviously the world of, you know, <laughs> like social networking and, and, uh, and social marketing and social engagement. And it's, you know, it's all good, but, um, I, I just worry about sort of, I mean, I'm okay. So I'm on Google plus I got a, you know, a few folks I'm linked with, but I haven't engaged. And I think that, I look at how um, actively you moved into that community and I think, gee, I'm not ready to get that active. <laughs> so should I, what should I, you know, I'm, do I need it? Uh, or should I, you know, should I sort of go all in and, and wait for the moment that it makes sense to do that? Or, you know, how much time do I have for this? I don't know. All right. Are you on, are you using Chrome right now? Open I have Chrome. Chrome open, yeah. Okay. Go to Google.com. Yes, sir. I want you to search for do a barrel roll. Wow. Did it happen for you? Yeah. What the heck? I know, right? That was sweet. How'd you know about that? I just know things. That's awesome. Uh yeah, that's that's wow. one of those uh <laughs> that's great fantastic uh things, right? Wow. That was really cool. And that's a that's the that's them having fun with Chrome. Uh there are lots of those little things. Um and I I can't find there was one I'm trying to find. It has something to do with gravity. And you you do a search for Google and gravity and the on all the the user interface elements of the website fall to the bottom. Like they all, it's like the web page falls apart as if it were made really? of bricks and everything. And you can still use it. Like you can still search. It's an HTML5 thing. That, none of this is what I wanted to talk about. My whole point uh, uh-huh. in talking about Google Plus at all is that I have, so uh, I now have two accounts on Google Plus. This is big news. Uh, and I don't want two accounts. I have one account that was my old uh, Gmail address. And that's the one that I, you know, for the last, you know, since the very beginning of the launch, when I got that first invite, I've been using that Google, my Gmail address. And I, you know, I've got lots of followers and community and it's been really great. But the whole time I've been excited about having Google apps, um, you know, having Google Apps uh, access because I'm a Google Apps user. My RashPixel.com email address is a Google Apps user. It's a, it's Gmail, and I get you know Calendar and Docs and all the great Google features. Except for for the longest time, I didn't have access to Google Plus. And last week, they released or they they opened up access for Apps users like yourself. I think right. You have your don't you have sure. uh, Strike uh-huh. Ten. So you you uh you could go turn on uh Google Plus in your administrative console and be able to have an account that's totally integrated. So you have you can log into your mail and then click on your little plus and and be, jump right into your Google Plus and get all your emails in the one, one place and not have multiple accounts to log into. And for me, for people who are totally ADD like like me, when I have way too many things open, I have to fight that and and I need quicker access to my own distractions. 
uh, and having only one account is is very helpful. The, the problem is they did not at the same time roll out any sort of migration. So, you know, I, I can't just take all those followers who are following my old account and say, hey, look, now this is me. I, I'm now a different guy. I'm looked at as a different guy. And so they say yeah, see, that's that coming in a matter stuff. of weeks. They're saying oh, okay. that's coming in a couple of weeks. And but go. again, they said that Don't Google Apps access was coming in a couple of weeks. It took them three months. So I, I am losing a little bit of sleep. As long as it works when it comes. Yeah, here's hoping, right? Here's hoping. <laughs> uh, unlike the Gmail app did, for iOS, did you see this came out yesterday? I saw that it came out, but I didn't test it out. I'm glad you didn't. Did you see? Have you seen the, the Firestorm, the Fuhrer? It, not the Fuhrer. The Fuhrer, 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 how do you say that? That was a noun, but is a... Not the F-U-R-O-R, Fuhrer, Fuhrer, not der Fuhrer, Fuhrer, German. (laughs) So, no. It's it's apparently terrible. I saw a headline saying Google, uh, Google, full colon, we screwed up, something like that. I don't know. I don't know if they've actually admitted to screwing up, but I thought I saw a little headline for that. Well, I love this. So it was a terrible thing. It was you get it, you you have it. It launches. It's buggy. It's terrible. It doesn't work at all. And and what I love about this was uh, M. G. Siegler is a was a he's a writer and and a technology writer and and he had a scoop the other day a scoop saying unbelievable. My sources are telling me that there is a native Gmail app coming for iOS and it's quote pretty fantastic end quote. And and so it, then it comes out and it's terrible. Everybody wants a native app because Gmail has features that you can't get in your regular email client. You get the labels and the and all this uh, filters and search, and it's just not as good. It, Gmail is not as good in the native iOS client. Um, well, good is maybe not the right word. It's not as interesting and not as full featured, not as thorough. If you're used to working in the web uh, app. And so his quote, uh, M.G. Siegler, uh, you know, wrote a follow-up piece after it was, you know, released by Google and then pulled within two hours because it was so terrible uh, and buggy. And he writes, my sources are very good. (laughs) Unfortunately, they apparently do not have very good taste. I thought that was brilliant. You don't think that was funny? funny? I noticed you didn't laugh. Uh, I'm just... uh... Delivery? (laughs) <laughs> I could work on that. <laughs> it's a good joke. Thanks. Thanks for right. bright thanks for brightening my morning. It was with that a it was joke. A, it was a terrible uh, terrible uh, thing. I, I, I was much more entertained by the barrel roll, but um but you know, that All was right. well insightful. so at least I know where the so, bar is. So a few things though with um with the new iOS. One, uh so apparently and this is whatever, I don't I don't know that it's killing me, but apparently it, it drains a little battery. So I don't know when that fix is coming, but yeah, they um, say a couple of. They just announced this morning a couple of weeks, couple of weeks. Yeah, five point oh point one. Because uh, I really wondered why it was seemed like something was a little off well, with you know my what, battery let me, usage. Let me tell you. What, can I tell you what my? Uh, I have a hypothesis. Yeah, iOS five, and I don't. It, it's not. I you know I'm seeing it on the i uh, the iPhone fours that I. Um, that I support and the four S's. So I don't think it's related to the new four S. I think you're, you're saying you have a four or do you have a three? No, I have a four. You have a four with iOS five and you're having trouble with the battery. Okay. So what I think it is, it's, uh, you know, for the first time, you know, Apple has, has always been pretty, uh, played the location services pretty close to their chest. Right. 
And now uh, I think iOS 5 uses a lot more location stuff. Aha. Uh-huh. And it's always pinging your location. It's always on. It's doing, uh-huh. and, and, and iCloud, in addition to that, if you have iCloud turned on and PhotoStream constantly pinging the server, these little antennas, there are a boatload of antennas inside the iOS, uh, the iPhone, and they're always on doing something. Um, it can't be good for cancer. You know, there's a, yeah, no, no I, I, I don't think it is. Recent, uh, recent studies. Recent studies say that, you, you know, you're okay. You're, you're okay. Gonna, you're more likely to get hit by a bus. Yes. I, uh, but anyway, so I think that's what it is, and I think this fix will probably have something to do with how uh, how the the uh, those little antennas are triggered for location well, and, updates. And speaking of location services, I read something today about uh, Google Maps wanting to charge for a certain level of corporate user. Yeah, twenty five. What is it? Twenty five thousand API yeah. calls a day. Right. Exactly. And and there are big uh, clients like Apple, for instance, who um, are big API users uh, because of their products. And uh, the end of the article said something about, you know, Apple hoping to reduce their reliance on Google Maps through the development of things like their location services. Well, and they bought a new Maps provider. Right, they bought a I few, think three, actually. yeah, three yeah. maps providers that they they're integrating into their iOS division. I think that's really interesting. I think they're I think they're done. I think they're done with Google. I think they're after. Have you read any of the the book? I know we talked about it a little bit last week. You didn't didn't pick up the Steve Jobs book, right? No, I'm still uh still <laughs> still determining a format. Well, that's got that's got to make you really kind of strange flustered. I uh you know I'm still working through it myself, and I uh, but. There is a a really interesting passage. I'm going to try and find it. Um, this is why I like the iBooks version. Aha. Um, but do you read ever in bed, laying on your back with your iBook up above you? Yeah. I guess it builds muscle, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that gets heavy for me. Well, you're. <laughs> well, you know, I I just not sure that that's the greatest reading experience. No, it's it's actually For I'm, a big and I book. Have, I have I well it it weighs the iPad weighs less than this book, like this yeah. six hundred page it's six hundred pages of. All right, um, I'm gonna take my iPad over to Barnes and Noble and I'm gonna I'm gonna weigh all right, it. Weigh it. That'll I'd that'll like you to do that. That'll solve this dilemma. Here's the here's a quote. <clears throat> um. Uh, Steve Jobs, quote, uh, our lawsuit is saying, quote, Google, you effing ripped off the iPhone, wholesale ripped us off, grand theft. I will spend my last dying breath if I need to, and I will spend every penny of Apple's 40 billion in the bank to right this wrong. I'm going to destroy Android because it's a stolen product. I'm willing to go to thermonuclear war on this. They are scared to death because they know they are guilty. Outside of search, Google's products, Android, Google Docs, are uh, shite. Yeah, no, I did. Look, I'm I did trying to maintain that. the. Uh, I'm trying to maintain the uh, the clean rating by using my famous uh, Irish pronunciation. Right, you did and good. I think that does it. That's so, uh, so that clean. is a fantastic thing because he really. I think he really believes that the, he doesn't. He doesn't like the. Uh, he didn't like the Google uh, experience, and I think they were subservient to Maps for their for their mapping application. And I think I've spent the last four years trying to write that wrong. 
and uh, and and cut that partnership. Apple's not interested in those partnerships. They're not interested in partnerships at all. They're interested in shaking the dominant power vacuum, right? I mean, so many so many pundits say, you know, Apple goes into these markets, um, you know, because they see there's a hole and they're trying to fill this hole by developing a product that can deliver this service right. And I disagree with that. I think there's a part of that, but that's not the primary reason Apple goes into these markets. They go into these markets because they see a dominant power structure and they want to destroy it. Uh, that's what they do with phones, uh, and that's what they're, I think, going to do with it. That's what they've well, certainly done with advertising. Of, they're, they're trying to do with advertising, and they try to do with um, with media. And, and another way of looking at it, or, or um, another angle on what you just said, um, that I don't think is different than what you just said, but it, but it's I don't know that it's quite another way of saying it. Um, but part of what Apple does, I think, is uh, so, you know, you're referring to sort of a dominant power structure or whatever, a dominant power player. Um, I think what what you see play out isn't so much a desire to topple somebody, but if you see that that powerful player is not serving um, uh, the customer or, the, you know, they're like there's there's a smartphone but you know the the phone companies are not allowing certain features to come into play that the the public really would demand if they knew it was possible so you go into so it's not the invention of something out of thin air but it's the perfecting of something that exists in some way um but hasn't been fully utilized and that and that may Partly be because, like you're saying, some power player uh, is kind of stifling the innovation evolution or the innovation of it, huh. and and that's happened time again. And that's why, you know, I, I look at that comment from him, and I, you know, it's kind of it. Obviously, it's very passionate. And it's always fun to hear him be really that passionate because he's he's such a smart guy that there are many times you can look back on his quotes where he's predicting um, how a you know, a new Apple product will play out and, and, and it, it sounds just pure arrogant, uh, purely arrogant, but it's spot on mm-hmm. his, his level of confidence in delivering things and knowing when he really thought he understood uh, a vacuum or a need or, you know, um, the, the, the power of a, of a new product or a right. new technology or, or how things were going to work together. And he was reading, you know, kind of the zeitgeist in a way, I guess. But uh, he was so spot on with that that when he gets really hardcore, you think, you know, you got to listen. But it's hard for me in the world of, you know, patents and copyrights and technologies. And, you know, because I think without being able to borrow and better something, I mean, I, I, I don't I don't know the ins and outs of how the Android may or may not be a complete copycat ripoff of of the iPhone and and how much that matters in in legal um, in a legal way. I think one ought to be I, I think the competition ought to make them both better. And I think that that's sort of you know there's a certain level of borrowing that happens, and I I get a little disappointed at an overuse of you know, lawsuits to, to protect intellectual property. Uh, I get a lot disappointed in it. I just, I, you know, I guess I, this is where I tend to be a little bit more libertarian, right? It's that, you know, the market actually will speak on this one, right? The, the market right. will speak. If you make a better product, people will buy it and, and, or, or not even, it doesn't even have to be a better or worse kind of discussion. It's just, it's just a choice. And, and, and you know, I mean, there are products that suck and, and have you those ever worked- aren't purchased. 
Have you ever worked for somebody who is convinced that their business, their either their product or their marketing approach or whatever, um, was all about their own g- unique genius, and that if you know, and that if anything was shared about it, <laughs> um, you know, it, it would be a big like sort of a breach of confidentiality, or, or yeah. in a way that would would like it couldn't get out. I mean, I've, I've worked for people who, um, took a borrowed idea, gave it a new term and there was nothing new or unique about it, but they were convinced it was their competitive advantage when the execution of it was the only thing that mattered. Mm -hmm. Either you execute a simple service, uh, or you don't, but everybody has some variation on the same service. Right. You just have to execute and, and, you know, for me, what ought to be considered intellectual property is, um, yeah, I, my, my, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so my, (laughs) my, my livelihood doesn't really depend on it in any way. I think the bar should be somewhat low. And I think that goes for things like music and, and sampling music. And, you know, I mean, all these are very controversial. People have strong opinions sometimes about these things, but I do think that you need to feel free to innovate and improve and compete and execute and, and not exist in a world of, um, you know, well, somebody created this. So they're the only people that can have, you know, any sort of rights to anything that even looks similar to it or sounds similar to it. Or, you know, I, I just, I think the whole history of the world is borrowed innovation and, and improving upon things that, that kind of exist. And I, and there's a big argument, I think right now about um, from several top technology companies about um, how the things that will really be, you know, that will dominate our lives from say a technology perspective in five or 10 years from now probably already exist. Sure. They probably have been invented. They just haven't really, they haven't found the right use. They haven't found the right audience. They haven't found the right um, vehicle for distribution, you know, whatever. Right. Well, you know, it's okay. So I'm, I want to, there was a point we, we kind of derailed again and there was a point about Apple that I want to, I want to go back to, right? This, this idea of these maps and it, this is what relates to marketing, right? Uh, when you look at the original iOS uh, maps application, it used Google's map data, but it was, other than that, it was 100% Apple, right? They designed, Apple designed that app and plugged in Google's maps data. Even though Google also had an interface that they they created that they could have used on the Apple app, Apple did not like, is my understanding, did not like the uh, the Google implementation, and they so they were going to use their own. But where they are limited uh, is they can't do the kind of advertising integration based on their current implementation because I don't think Google allows them to add local maps uh, sort of deals, the kind of Groupon kind of iAds uh, deals uh, that Google does in their own app. So when you go, when you search on, on, you know, Google, you can, you can see where based on, um, you know, Google places, you can see things that are near you that might give you, uh, you know, deals and make some advertising money. I think that's ultimately where Apple sees the next power vacuum in location. And that's probably why they want to have their own a hundred percent, their own technology insource their map data so they can start doing more interesting things with it you know where do you fall pete on the idea that um that apple 
and the Macintosh computer once upon a time really, um, you know, almost went out of existence because of their closed, um, you know, their closed system, I guess, versus, you know, Windows and IBM opening up their operating system and, and obviously, you know, dominating the computer market because uh, of that imbalance, I guess, the, the access, the programming access to create software and cheaper machines and that kind of thing. Um, and, and now you see things like the iPhone or, you know, Macs today, it's a very closed system. Um, uh, there are a lot of proprietary things about, um, that, that it, that are sort of encased in a product like the app, uh, the iPhone and, and the iPad and, you know, and Google is the regulator of it. And I, and so you hear arguments coming up that, oh, well, this will be the, I mean, the Android obviously uh, is going to beat the iPhone because it's a much more open system. And then I hear, well, but people don't like that because it doesn't have a good, there isn't a feel of editorial, you know, control and, and um, uh, an easy way to browse uh, apps. And so, and it's now so much easier to write for multiple platforms through, you know, software that makes it easy to translate uh, across platforms than it was before. What do you think? I mean, so you're talking here about a, a case where, you know, app like Google has been a, a dominant um, force in the map, um, whatever market or whatever it is. Uh, Apple, you wouldn't think would um, have enough of a head start to not rely on that technology, but they've got ideas about its use that, you know, have them in such a, a critical role, I think, for mobile devices, uh, speculation that they may want to just own it completely. Um, do you, I mean, just, I guess, philosophically, what do you think, um, the future holds for, you know, things like, you know, open systems that many people would say, well, didn't Apple learn their lesson? I mean, this is how they lost the last time versus, you know, have things changed enough that they're clearly playing it the right way and know what they're doing. Wow, I, there's there are so many questions in that statement, right? I mean that you just brought uh, up a yeah. whole bunch of different stuff. I, you know, for me, I, I think it. I think most of them boil down to, uh, through to the user experience because I don't. I don't think the consumer. I don't think the consumer cares. <clears throat> you look at the look at the Android versus iPad. If you walk into an AT and T store, and you watch the unaided customer sit side by side and look at and, and try to play with an Android tablet versus uh, the iPad tablet in, in the state of the technology today, um, you're going to see people have a more intuitive uh, experience with the iPad. And that, that is reflected in the overall sales performance of the iPad versus the Android tablets. The more sort of technological uh, kind of geekery uh, may end up toward the the Android device because of the supposedly kind of open architecture of it. But I think ultimately the the user experience uh, is is a, more of a defining factor than open versus closed because I don't think the consumer knows what that means, and yeah. and I don't think when we're using it here in a in this context, it it doesn't actually mean what we what what it actually means. Like the right, and you can. Um, the fact that there is a um, a well curated, arguably of course, well curated marketplace on um, the iPad, and several curated 
and some uncurated marketplaces in the Android ecosystem. And now we have things like the the Kindle Fire, which is technically an Android device, but Amazon doesn't want to have anything to do with the Android brand name. I mean, we're, we're seeing just this more sort of fragmentation. And so ultimately, this open-closed thing doesn't matter. I mean, what matters is when you pick up the device, can you do what you want to do with it? So I go back to nine years ago when I switched back to to Apple products. I did so because I was so tired of having the technology get in the way of my work. And for me, uh, that meant going to Apple because I, if I choose to, I can do every bit the hardcore sort of geeking that I want on my on my Macs. But I don't have to to actually sit down and, and get stuff working. I don't have to worry about drivers. I don't have to worry about you know uh, configuration headaches that I had back in the day. So I made that well, choice. I don't think open and close necessarily is an argument that's that that is uh, that's as inter- relevant. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and part of it I think is that we aren't really as reliant on software as we used to be. It isn't so much a software suite that drives a product. As I, I mean, I know that's when we're talking about apps on an iPhone. That's um, I guess a different story, but so much of what we do is in a cloud of some sort, you know, it's online. It's, you know, it's not really, um, that you can buy, you know, 20 versions of this software for this operating system, but only one version, uh, that does the same thing for this operating system. That kind of thing becomes so much less relevant. And to your point about user experience, one of the things that I really would get, actually, I got, touched actually by reading in some of the comments to some of the articles about Steve Jobs after his death. And you go through some of the comments. I read multiple comments from older people who said they were older <laughs> and said, hey, it meant so much to me that at my age, I could pick up a computer uh, and know how to use it. And I didn't have to feel dumb or, or I could pick up an iPad or, you know, I mean, he, what he gave me were products that I didn't feel stupid or, or, or weren't useless because I couldn't get over certain hurdles. I could use them intuitively and thank and, you for that. And do really powerful stuff with them. Right. I could do stuff that I couldn't do before that I didn't know how to do before. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think user experience yeah. is, is, yeah, I think so, that's and, really and you know, to your point, this whole cloud thing, that's another one that's just an, it's an interesting kind of implementation of marketing, right? If you look at the the, the uh, sort of the direction of mobile apps, like there, there are really kind of two camps of cloud. There's sort of Google making a rich, robust mobile app experience, kind of HTML5 experience that you view technically in a browser or some sort of a browser wrapper, and you're actually interacting with an app that exists, you know, in sort of on the net. It's on the server side, kind of running on the server. Versus more the Apple approach, which is, you know, it's a local app, so you get all of the user interface elements that make it look flashy and buttons that push and things that slide and things that look really uh, fancy, um, heretofore not able to be created in a, in a mobile app uh, that runs server-side, but the data exists in the cloud, right? That's really what iCloud is all about. You use pages um, you know, locally on your iOS device and on your computer, but the data ends up being stored. The documents end up being synced and stored in this cloud space that you can't actually use. I can't log into iWork.com and actually edit my document. I have to be using a local app on my device. And and I think we're seeing more and more, uh, you know, with the development of HTML5 and these mobile web technologies, we're seeing kind of those two curves come to parity uh, where you'll be able to do more of the rich 
you know, server-side web apps with stuff that that uses the power of your device. And so, you know, it, that makes it really kind of a crapshoot for developers. How do you, how, you know, where do you skate when you don't know where the puck will be? Uh, and so this is, I, I, it's kind of a heavyweight shootout this now. And that's, that's the one that I think is more interesting to me is, is when you're talking about user experience, you know, I mean, the iPhone is a black glass shell that is made or broken by the developers that exist to, to write on it. Same thing with Android and Google. And they go about it in a, in a completely different, I mean, antithetical to one another fashion, you know, with Apple really making bank on the hardware, Google trying to do it on the back end through advertising and giving the IO, the, the operating system away. I mean, it's just a, a completely different way to do it. And and watching how these two ecosystems thrive together, I think is really interesting. I don't like using Android, but I love watching it evolve because, you know, every new edition, uh, you know, gives these really cool new features to developers to do amazing stuff with. And that just helps the, the overall, not to coin a phrase, ecosystem. Not to overuse. <laughs> exactly. Not to overuse. <laughs> All right. I, I don't know. I just went way heavy. I did. I'm sorry. I clearly, I didn't even know how fired up I was about this stuff. Well, good. T- touched a nerve. You did. I dare oh. you to do that again. <laughs> one more, one more I, thing. Do you hear suit. this one? This one's for you. Uh, do you hear about uh, number twenty-three, the next Bond? I mean, again, I've seen headlines, but not been interested enough to actually engage in the oh, story. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding oh. you. I, I I love the uh, franchise, and the last two movies have been, I think, the best of the whole franchise. But. Well, they just I mean, announced it's information. I don't want teasers. I want like, no, no, no. It's just well, they just announced the title, uh, Skyfall. Okay, yeah, I have not up on that. I'm one. pretty excited. About it. That's just that's just this morning. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about it. I don't even it's, want to. I'm still done. Daniel Craig, right? Yes, Daniel Craig, and uh, let's see. Uh, according to Hollywood Reporter, uh, Javier Bardem. Oh, he's great. Yeah, he's so good. Uh, Ralph, 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 or Rafe? How do you pronounce this guy's name? Uh, I've heard it several ways. Ralph Ralph Fiennes, Albert Finney, Judy Dench, Ben Whislaw, no Whishaw, and Sam Mendes directing. Okay. Oh wow. I know it looks really good. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting director choice. Um, yeah, Har- Javier Bardem. By the way, I mean the first time I saw No Country for Old Men, I, I was a little disturbed by it, but I've watched it now several times really just because of him um not just because of him but uh i, I think everyone did a great job obviously and i love the coen brothers but his character uh, so creepy and so spooky yeah. and really like just so uh uh psychotic the first time i i watched it but then there's humor in it <laughs> and i've i've heard uh, an interview with him on i think fresh air with where he talked about how he was directed um by the Coen brothers and how they were just cracking up. And, and there were certain scenes where <laughs> they, there was one scene, I guess, where he'd gone to like a, the, I think it was the, the wife or the mom or somebody and um, had some interaction and, <laughs> and they were like, okay, now afterwards, just stare at her for like an hour. <laughs> and, it just, and he's like, what are you talking about? And they'd just be kind of laughing. They'd be like, oh no, just trust us. Just trust us. Just stare at her. Yeah. Let it be really uncomfortable. And they'd shoot things in this really strange way that they had a vision. I know we're 
we're really um, a yeah. bit off track, <laughs> but it's worth going back to check out Javier. You're the one that brought up James. Bond. I did, and you know what? I love Javier Bardem, <laughs> and that movie that movie weirded me out because it's one of those rare movies where I watch it for the performances, but ultimately I didn't really like the movie. Like I walked away from that movie kind of being underwhelmed, but I watch it again, particularly for his with his scene in the uh, in the convenience store when he's talking to the guy about change. Yeah, that was that. He was flip a coin, great. That one. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, and also the story of how he got his haircut and apparently they just when <laughs> when they arrived at the haircut for him, the Cohen brothers just about hit the floor laughing and they were like that is it, that's perfect. And Javier was just this kind of confused like wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> What's oh. going on here? It's fun it's a funny interview. You'll have to listen to it. I but, will. I'll look for it. Yeah. All right. Uh I think I I've, I've got nothing else. This was good. Good talk. Yeah, when yeah, when we start hitting um Cohen Brothers and James Bond on the naked marketers, we've, it's probably time to We've derailed. Yeah, we've worked yeah, I mean if we had Megan, uh she would have cut this short. Uh I think she would just she just hangs up. <laughs> she probably would have just hung up. Yeah. Oh uh it's good to talk to you. Good I'll to talk catch to you. Uh, catch you yeah. next week. We will. All right.